0: Hello, the artist and the athlete listeners. I can't wait to tell you how this episode came together. As you know, I'm a huge country music fan. And a couple years back, I was able to do an interview with rising star Kane Brown in the green room as he was waiting to go on stage in Connecticut. He loves sports. And I remember seeing a ton of Georgia Bulldog memorabilia in his room, he shared how he would like to be paired for a conversation with an NBA player because that's his favorite sport. So here we are. There is no bigger star in the NBA right now than Miami Heat forward Jimmy Butler. Jimmy put the Heat, which is his fourth NBA team, on his back in the NBA Finals last year with a record-setting performance that was before the Heat lost the title to the Lakers. Jimmy is also the biggest country music fan in the league, and he's turned his love of coffee into a business, which is interesting. And also, both of these guys have daughters almost exactly the same age. In this conversation, we talked about coming into your own. The guys made plans to dominate the court on Kane's exciting new tour. And of course, they talked about their baby girls. This is where our conversation begins. How are you guys doing? Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh,
1: we got a baby in the back. (laughs) Don't worry, my baby's back here
2: too. I'm sure she'll be making plenty of noise. Yeah, nah, she's eating lunch right now. She's just ready to get out of the chair.
0: Butler, Brown, and babies, right? Yeah,
1: my daughter just finished up lunch, so... Well, half of it's on the floor, but yeah. she ate it. She ate it a little bit. <laughs>
0: um, before we start, wait, how old are your girls right now? They're right around the same age, aren't they?
1: Mm-hmm. Mine is uh, a year and what? Five months, maybe six months, something like that.
2: Yeah, mine'll be two in October.
1: Hell, mine'll be two in October too. So that means that they really are about the, the same age.
2: Nice.
1: October what?
2: Uh,
1: 29th. Uh, mine uh, October 23rd. Okay.
0: Where are both of you guys right now?
1: I'm in Miami in like this I don't know what you call it, living room area
0: in your home. Mhm. And Kane, I see some reclaimed wood.
2: That's my living room and then this is my bar bar and nice. dining room table.
1: Is that a uh, buck back there on
2: your wall? Yeah. It looks like a 10 point buck. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's an 8, but it's it's older than me. Uh Kate's pop pop shot that. Ah.
0: Uh. And you both have daughters that are literally born in the same month. How's that changed you?
1: It's a great opportunity to mold a human being to being what you would like them to be, especially at this age, until they really grow into who they are. So it's kind of like she does almost everything that I do, would do. And um, it's my reason why now. Like every, anytime I go do something, I'm like, I just got to make it home. I just got to make it back safe, and I think that's that's my biggest thing. Like, why you do this? I do this for my people, my guys, my family. I do this for my daughter. In every aspect of everything that I do, she's at the she's at the the head of it. Like, she's my why.
2: For me, this that's my little girl, man. Like, she's on she's my best friend. It, it hurt for the longest because uh, th- I don't know if this happened for you, Jamie, but at the very beginning, she just wanted her mom all the time, and then. Uh, hey. Just recently, she just started saying, uh, she goes, dad, dad, but it's like, with this like whisper, <laughs> which I love, I ain't going to try and mimic it, but anyway, she just likes me to take her and play with her outside. And every time I put her down, she just keeps saying dad and does her arms like this. So I can't say no. Mm-hmm. She's just, you know, she's become my best friend and I'm just ready for her to get old enough so I can get her in the league.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's, the,
1: that's the one.
0: Jimmy, how did you get into country music in the first place? Where did that start for you?
1: It started for me in college. Everybody was listening to the, like, the Dre Beat headphones, the big ones when you put them around your neck, and, like, the music was, it was basically like a boombox. So in college, everybody was listening to, like, Lil Wayne, Young Jeezy, all those artists. And I would come in, and I would be like, yo, like, turn that down. I don't want to hear all of that. I was listening to it, too, don't get me wrong. I was like, just turn it down. Like, I can hear your music, I can hear your music, I can And everybody always said, no. Don't worry about what's in my headphones. Pay attention to what's in yours. So I said, okay, smooth. Next game, I come in, got my headphones on the same way, but I'm listening to Tim McGraw, Don't Take the Girl. Everybody was like, oh, hell no, no.
0: Why was that your choice?
1: Because I just went to uh, Google and I typed in best country song. It was the first one that popped up. So that's the one that I downloaded. And then it's like the slowest, like, so I went in there. I was like, okay, yeah, this is definitely going to piss everybody off. And that was the reasoning behind it. And then I started to listen to the like the lyrics. and I was like, damn, poor <laughs> kids, poor guys, like, wow. And then I went back and I was like, OK, more top country songs. And then they just started rolling in. and I started listening to them. I was like, OK, hold on now. We might be on to something. And now I'm like both feet in love, love the idea, obviously the people, but the feel and the stories behind the music is real.
0: The storytelling. You know what's funny? When you talk about that song, that actually makes my heart hurt now, I think, because I'm a mom, you know? And so when you're thinking about it through that different lens. Mm -hmm.
1: I mean, I feel like every song that I listen to that has something to do with like a dad and a daughter, I'm just like, wow, I get like lost words. I got my own playlist. It's big. You have one on my playlist actually came. It's something with a daughter. I think it might be called daughter.
2: Yeah. For my daughter.
1: Yeah, former daughter, there you go. That's on my playlist. Like, so it's like every time I hear a song like that, I'd be like, damn, I'm not the only one that be feeling like this. I don't know. I, I'm telling you, I love it. I do.
0: Nice. I've been so looking forward to this podcast episode because Kane, I know, loves the NBA as much as Jimmy, I think, loves country music. Of right. Course. And ever since when I was chatting with Kane a couple of years back and, and we were talking about NBA, I was like, oh my God, it would be so great to just be able to have a conversation, getting these two worlds together. And I think that you guys are the perfect pairing for this. Have you guys met in person?
2: Yeah, I met Jimmy when I first got in on the scene when I was out on tour with Florida, Georgia Line. Yeah, without a doubt. I do remember that
1: Florida, Georgia Line concert, man. That's those were the times.
0: What do you remember of that moment?
2: I remember asking Jimmy if he played 2K and he said no. And it hurt my heart. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I've never been a 2K guy. I just remember like the amount of love that he got when he was up there on the stage. It's one of the reasons why I truly love country music though. Like the amount of work and passion and obviously the. The entertainer that he is is off the charts, but they love them some Kane Brown, man. To this day, it's a big deal whenever his name is said. So I'm happy to be able to know him. Does that
0: feel different to you than other types of music, Jimmy?
1: Without a doubt. I'm I'm friends with a lot of different people in the industry, you know, uh, hip hop, R&B, all of that. I would say that country is a lot about the fans, a lot about the guests and who they bring with them. Um, And I I love that about it. It's like everywhere you go, somebody's trying to give you a shot of fireball or some (laughs) type of beer. It's a good time. It it is.
0: Kane, remind me, how did you get so into into basketball? I mean, I know you grew up playing sports, but what is it that really makes that your thing?
2: Well, I I played baseball since I was three and then uh, I kind of got tired of it. So I decided to to find another sport, uh, which I played football as well and I ran track. And then I found basketball in uh, seventh grade. I was terrible. <laughs> you know, I kept working at it, I kept working at it. By the time I got to high school, I hit a growth spurt. And then I was the captain of all my basketball teams. And I went to five different high schools. Wow. It was just fun. It was a new way to meet friends. And I just I loved to shoot. So it was just, you know, it was cool. You'd make
1: it in today's game because that's all anybody wanna do anyway is to shoot the ball. So
2: Yeah. Nah. Do you need a ten day? <laughs>
1: I think I, I know the person to talk to.
2: If you want me to just stand in the corner, I got you all day. We're going to find out. Don't worry whenever this whole <laughs> COVID thing let up. We're going to do this. Like,
0: yeah. So what's your perception of Jimmy Butler, the basketball player?
1: Oh, this is interesting.
2: It's Jimmy Butler. Kidding me? He's a hard worker. I feel like any team he goes to, everybody looks at him as a leader. I was really rooting for you in the finals, bro. I was yeah. like, my oh boy, Jimmy's going off. We'll get it back. And I just, I watched you on your Instagram too, man. Just after that, you went straight back to work and started working out and, you know, just grinding and going at it. So I just know you, you got the heart of a line and, you know, you're just trying to be the best you can be, which is all I'm trying to do. I'm always trying to better myself. And that's just what I love about basketball. You can, see the, you can see the talent from right when you look at somebody and see where they're going to go.
1: I appreciate that.
0: Jamie, how accurate is that? Is that how you felt along the course of your career?
2: Without a
1: doubt. The one thing that me and him definitely have in common is how hard we work. And you see it from what we produce, what we allow you to see being on TV, in a concert, on Instagram. But the stuff that you really don't see is the amount of hours and the amount of studying and working on your craft that we do. But then on top of it, just how much fun he has whenever he's doing what he loves. That's what I love about entertainers and people that are the best that in their field is they absolutely love what they do. And it shows when he's doing an interview, when he's doing a concert, obviously, whenever he's dropping new music, you can definitely tell like he put his time into this. And that's what I respect about him more than anything. Obviously, the hard work that he puts into it, but the love of his craft, it's, it's unmatched.
0: What that. is that work that people don't see? Jimmy, like you're up all hours of the night working. Isn't that true? Like oh, that, yeah. that's what I've heard, like 2.30, 30.
1: I'm up early because in my mind, that's something that a lot of people don't do. And they're not willing to sacrifice that in order to be great. And it's all about sacrificing any line of work, in any line of life. You got to sacrifice something to get more. I do get a, my sleep though. I get my nine hours, but I'm up early. And you can always tell what type of mood I'm in by the music that I play. So if his music's playing, I mean, I'm in like a a smooth rhythm, I'm loving today, I'm ready to work. And that's the stuff that they don't see. They don't see the amount of reps that I put in, the amount of meetings that I'm in, the amount of recovery I'm doing on my body. All they see is the finished product of me tired as I don't know what in the NBA finals or a triple double here or a terrible game there, which happens. But that's that's the work that nobody sees.
0: What's it like if you're waking up in the middle of the night? Can you walk me through what that looks like for you?
1: I mean, I don't really wake up in the middle of the night. I'm just up at about 334 in the off season, not during season, because we play every other day. But um, they're long days. And having a, a daughter now is kind of like she's up at every bit of six. So it's like as soon as you get through training, you got to deal with that. And then you got to figure out a way to get back in the gym, get back in the weight room. It's a real process. but I wouldn't change it for the world. If I could change something, though, I'd be a vocalist because you can do that for a very long time.
0: Wait, tell me more.
1: About being a vocalist? Yeah. I can't sing. I can't play the guitar. (laughs) I can't play the piano. I have no chance in hell, but it is a dream of mine. I just bought a really nice piano. Don't know what brand it is. Don't know nothing about it. I only know how to turn it on and it plays songs for me. So that's the first start is to pretend you know what you're doing.
0: I love it. Kane can give you some lessons. Kane, wait, so what about the work side for you? What don't people see?
2: I think for us, you know, it's like the music videos that we shoot and you always got to keep a smile on your face depending on what the the song is. Um, And you got to perform. It's kind of like you're an actor for a movie, I would Mm -hmm. say. And then the songwriting session, when you're trying to come up with an album, just for an example, I have all these songs that I have to choose from Way to stunt on us,
1: man. Be like, yo, I do this. I got I know, I know a billion songs none of y'all even heard of before.
2: <laughs> no, but you always got to do better than your last album. So it's like, is this good? Is this not good? And it puts a lot of pressure on you and then you get in your head. You know, you got to listen to the people that are close to you. That's why I always I have these family hats because I trust everybody that I have around me, um, which I think is a big part of it. But yeah, I feel like that's, that's like the hardest things. And then of course, Jimmy, I know another thing that people wouldn't understand. But when you go out to eat somewhere, all mm-hmm. eyes are on you all the time. So it's like you got to be at your best behavior 24 seven. You can't do anything. It's going to get caught on camera. There's, there's a lot of stress to, to the jobs.
1: I agree with that. But the one thing that I really, truly respect about y'all is how long normally y'all are on the road when you're touring. And you know, you're away from your family for an extended amount of time. Of course, some of y'all get to take your family with you. Yeah. but. For those who don't, it's work, work, work. I go max a week, maybe three days, four days. You could be on the road for a while. I don't know what I would do, you know. Like I, I'm pretty sure I would love my manager, my uh band. Yeah. But, you know, I wanna see the wife. I wanna see my kids. That's tough. But I mean, it's like whenever you go into to restaurants too, you have a distinctive look to you too. So they're gonna know who you are. You're the you're the same way, man. And that part, I'd I'd give back in a heartbeat just to be normal, be able to go somewhere, sit down and eat, uh, have a good time with everybody. Mm -hmm. It just sucks that that's not the way that it is. Yeah.
0: Do you have any examples of times when it's been obvious or you had to like work past that?
1: I mean, for me. Every city that I go into, especially if I'm in Milwaukee or I'm back home in like the Houston area, I want to go eat with people that I grew up with because when you don't, they look at you as though like you've changed. And it's like, I haven't, but you don't truly understand until you see it. And then it's like you sit down and you eat and then everybody's running up to the table. Hey, can you take this picture? Can you sign this? I love it, but I hate it at the same time because at that point in time, I just want to be the kid that I was when I was back in high school, catching up on the past Hell, 13, 14 years that I've been away. It's really difficult. It's really hard to do it. And in those moments, I'm just saying, like, man, I don't, I can't handle this right now. I
2: can't. It only takes one picture and then it's like, oh, he took one. Uh, he really- if you say
1: yes to one, you might as well start rattling them all. <laughs> start a line.
0: Our podcast is presented by AutoZone, America's number one battery destination. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Okay, let's talk cleaning the car. AutoZone has everything you need to keep your car clean inside and out. I'm going to be honest, I might be that girl that has a lot of stuff that just ends up on the floor. I blame it on my kids, but the truth is I'm really trying to keep it clean. So here's the deal. Step one, clean the car out. This will be either very simple or the longest step here, depending on how you live. Get those receipts empty bottles, whatever else, out of the car. Vacuum, like step one. This will either be quick or it might take you a while, especially if you live near sand. Step three, detail. Now the fun begins. This is where you really have a chance to change your interior from just rideable to, oh, this is so nice. Make sure you spend time on the glass as well. AutoZone carries Rain-X Glass Cleaner. This works well when coupled with a microfiber towel. That's something you can definitely find at AutoZone. If you're wishing your car looked, felt, or even, yes, smelled better on the inside, AutoZone can help you do something about it. Get in the zone. AutoZone. I remember once sitting with an NFL player, it was Brian Arakpo um, in Washington, and he was sharing exactly what you just said. And he said, people don't realize you're having to explain to old friends, you know, like I am the same person, but also Mm -hmm. letting some relationships go because you realize that's important. That's got to be really hard.
2: It's tough. Um, I mean, like when I go back home, our thing is we'll usually do what we did in high school, which is just sit in our car in the parking lot. And just, really? <laughs> what do you want to do? There's nothing to do. Let's just sit here and talk. I don't know. When I go back home, that's what I do. I just sit in the car in the parking lot and talk to my friends.
0: Just like old times.
2: Yeah. But it's just cool to be back around everybody. And then just hear stories that have went on in the hometown that since I ain't been there. Just stuff like that. I love to race. Sometimes we'll go to the drag strip and things like that.
0: So tell me about what else has changed now that you've made it.
2: You know, as we... Got more and more into it. I started experimenting with a little more stuff and seeing how far I could take my music. And now I'm to the point where I just do whatever and collaborate with all kinds of different artists. And, you know, just kind of get to do whatever I want to do now. I feel like I'm at the fun part of my career now. Instead of hoping I was going to get somewhere, it's like I'm here now and I just, you know, get to have fun and uh, just experiment with the craft.
0: So what makes it so fun now? What's the fun part? Like how much of a weight is taken off?
2: uh a big weight's taken off cuz now it's like you know we we've reached out to a bunch of artists that uh like are out of the genre that you know they agreed to do songs with me like Khalid and um yeah. Marshmello I have a song with her that's about to come out on my next record John Legend it's just been fun to see all the different artists that we can work with because I just love music in general um so mm-hmm. this is just kind of me showing that
0: Jimmy, is there a um, specific, like, how, how do you get control of the locker room music? How do you guys figure that out?
1: I've been in the league for 11 or 10 years now. So it's kind of like whatever's playing, I get to veto almost everybody. The only people that's like longer tenured than me is Iggy and UD. UD's like 20 years, Dre's like 17. Yep. But they don't really play too much music. So I come in country all day, every day. And I'm starting to, I'm starting to to get them on the on the train a little bit. I am. Yeah. Do you have
0: certain songs that are always a part of that playlist?
1: I'm everywhere. Just depending on, like I said, what what mood I'm in. The worship you win though, crazy. Oh, thanks, That's a uh, top of like always on their plan. Probably know every single word. I'm not gonna sing, but I definitely know every single word. A lot of Luke, a lot of FGL. Just the people that I actually have relationships with and, and friendships with, um, I'm always going to support them more than I would support anybody else.
0: Kane, Worship You, What? tell me a little bit about the background of, of that and how that song came to be.
2: Honestly, we were vibing. Whenever we came up with the title, Worship You, and what we were singing about, it was after a show in uh, uh, Chicago with Brad Paisley, and we just started... Basically singing like we were in church. The chorus just came to, uh, came to us. It just came to us so quick. I think we wrote that song in like 45 minutes and we were just jamming.
1: And like whenever you come up with this, was you just like, fuck, I got y'all. Like y'all not even knowing what's going <laughs> to come right now. Like if I got something, it's a banger and I know it. I'm sitting there like, yeah, I got something for y'all. Oh, man. Because that one's crazy.
0: Why do you love that so much?
1: Everybody can relate to that. Everybody then had love like that at one point in time and I don't know like the beat, the rhythm is different, but it's something like there's not one person in the world that can't relate to that song. It's impossible. You gotta be able to relate. I just I I really rock with it. It is for sure one of the songs that I listen to on game day almost every day. Especially in the bubble. In the bubble it was it was on it was on repeat. Yeah.
0: How was the bubble?
1: Terrible. It brings back nightmares just thinking about being stuck in a hotel room, loving being around the guys. But it, it really takes the personable aspect out of everything because it's like everywhere you go, you're just concentrated on the game of basketball. You know, you got practice, you got a game and it's kind of, all right, go sit in your hotel room and watch film. Go sit in your hotel room and think about the game. Think about practice. You didn't have uh, too much to do.
0: Mhm. Kane was just saying that he feels like he's at the part where it's really fun in his career. And I was wondering if that's how you feel also.
1: I mean, fun, fun for me now involves all the other things that I get to do because I am a basketball player. If I wasn't, you know, a basketball player, I don't think I'd be on this call with y'all right now. Could be wrong, but I think being a basketball player helps a little bit. Or being able to travel the way that I travel or experience the other sports and the concerts and the foods, all of that stuff, that's the fun part for me. I love the game of basketball. Don't get me wrong, but like all the things that I get to do now is just incredible. And it's, I think it's, it's what life is meant to be about. Just really enjoying what you've done to get to this point and continue to grow and try new things, be around new people new cultures, new countries. It's all fun.
0: What's your favorite thing to try or something that you've experienced that you love doing now that you've gotten to that point?
1: I love wine. I love coffee. But one of my trainers is like a huge beer drinker. So every now and again, I'm, I'm trying new beers and I don't like about three fourths of the ones that I try. It's got to be like a super light beer for me to be able to drink it. But I'm trying new things. I like to call myself a beer drinker now. I'm a drinker of all types of spirits.
0: <laughs> I was wondering, what is it that people don't know about Miami Heat culture? Like, how is it different from other teams you've been a part of?
1: It's so old school and it's not for everybody. It's not like they say it all the time and get on my nerves, too. But it's really not for everybody. Like There's people that come through and you'd be like, ah, nah. Because the way we do things- Really? Yeah. It's not militant. It's just like some of the stuff, if you're not bought into it, you'd be like, there's no sense in doing this. Like body fat, body weight, all of that stuff we do. And I don't think anybody else in the league does it. Conditioning tests. We practice, practice. The attention to detail is at an all-time high. And for a lot of people in this league, in this profession, Nobody feel like doing that all day, but we do. And I think that's what makes us. us.
0: How did Pat Riley pitch you?
1: First of all, when I walked into his meeting, he had Dermot Kennedy playing, who's a really good friend of mine as well. So he already knew off the rip, like, okay. He did his research. He sees that Dermot's my guy. But other than that, he was just like, yo, we're gonna win. That's all it took for me. Like, you tell me we gonna win. We didn't reach our goal of winning the championship, but we won. That's all I care about is winning.
0: Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price Priceline.
2: Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? (laughs) Some peasant Coke? No. it's been rough for us, uh, during this quarantine because we've, uh, you know, so many people have had time to think. So we've had, we've lost a couple people. Oh no. Well, they Another. just got so much time off and they're like, man, this is, you know, we're not on the road. Like I had one guitar player that was my best friend that started this with me and, uh, he just literally quit and moved to Guatemala. And I was like, what? Wow. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I haven't even really heard from him or anything. We just had you know guitar auditions last week, and so we got a new guitar player. We're just going through people right now, so I'm I'm losing my teammates. You know, they're getting traded. That's part of every business. <laughs> yeah, we've had a lot of TV shows where we haven't had a lead guitar player, and we've had to. Our fiddle player would play the lead uh, guitar on a fiddle. Wow. Yeah, it's just you got to. I guess find finding different plays that'll work. I'm trying to oh, yeah. basketball reference this as much as
1: possible. <laughs> I understand. I don't think I've ever had anybody get traded to Guatemala, but I see I see where you're going with this thing. Guatemala.
0: Wow. Jimmy, uh, if you were going to use a, a musical reference to describe what you guys have going right now with your Heat team, you know, and what people should expect over these next, next month or so, what would you say?
1: That everybody has a role to play, and sometimes you got to do a little bit more. So how he's saying his uh, fiddle player, How he had to take the role of the guitar. I feel like sometimes you're asked to do more than you thought you could handle, but you can do it. I think that's the place that we're in right now because we have so many moving parts that like your roles is going to go up 10 X and you can handle it. You know, um, we need you to do this for this team to work, to win, to continue to grow. And so that's how I look at it. Everybody has their role. And obviously Kane gets the, Majority of the recognition because he is who he is. Same with me, but I'm not me without all these other individuals that are helping me be who I am. So I would say it like that. Like it's a team. Everybody has a role to play. I would think that, you know, if something doesn't go right, I'm the blame. Just like if something doesn't go right on his end, he's probably to blame. You take that and you roll with it, but knowing we all have a role to play. And sometimes you get a little bit more than you expected.
0: Is that a different role than you've been in before? Does it feel different at this point?
1: I feel like for the past couple of years, whenever I've I've made a name for myself in this league, it's kind of been like that. But every organization is so very different. You have different teammates with different skill sets. So that's kind of like you wouldn't ask your piano player, bass guitar player. You wouldn't ask them to do all of that. And I think in organizations, it's kind of like if you're in an organization that's driven on scoring points, you're going to get all offensive players. You're not going to get all offensive players to be like, you know what? We're going to hold teams to 50 points. And no, we're going to try to score 250 points. Um, So it's been different everywhere that I've been.
0: I think there are a lot of people out there that think that you don't, Jimmy, haven't in the past gotten the respect that you deserve. You know what I mean? Do you feel that way?
1: I really don't pay attention. I'm a lot like uh, Kane is when he's talking about the family that's on his hat. Like, if you don't know what I do every single day, your opinion, it doesn't faze me for the better or for the worse, because you're not there. You don't see when I have bad days, when I'm hurting, when I'm over emotional, when I'm all of those things. You only see me whenever I'm on a basketball floor. You don't see me every day whenever I'm putting my body through everything. I don't feel like going to work out, but I still go and work out. So the people that I respect are other people in my league. Like when they go up against me, oh, you, know, you know what, I gotta, I gotta tie my hat to them. He's bringing it every single night. I mean, He plays hard. He never backs down from a challenge. You know, for the most part, those are the individuals that I'm trying to gain their respect, which is why I play the game. I say I only play the game for two reasons, to win and to, to gain everybody's respect around my league.
0: Hands down, who's your favorite person to go against?
1: Probably Kyle Lowry, just because like he's one of my absolute best friends. He's the godfather of my daughter. And it's just like as competitive as it is, we're always laughing. We're always, you know, joking around. I would say something else, but then the NBA going to look at this and be like, oh, my God, he's tampering. So I'm just going to leave it at. I love uh, going
0: Maybe up. he needs some sunshine. Is that it?
1: You said it. I
2: didn't say Maybe that. Maybe he needs you said a little that.
0: Miami sunshine. I know you'd love to see that. I know. What do you think you about that, that, Kane?
2: <laughs> I don't want anybody to say I'm tampering, you know? <laughs> no, you're good. You can say it. You can say whatever you want. Kyle Lowry, uh, go to Miami, <laughs> bro. <laughs>
0: Something I also love about both of you guys is the fact that, um, yeah, you've obviously got these day jobs that are pretty big, but you're also huge entrepreneurs. I mean, I know, Jimmy, you have created a coffee business that really seemed to thrive during quarantine in the bubble, right? And Kane, I was checking out your Instagram and I noticed yesterday, I was like, oh, the first word you have under your description is entrepreneur. And I'm like, that's just cool because that's kind of, to me, it sums up a little bit about how your career has been. But tell me a little bit about what you guys are both doing in those worlds and why that's so important to you.
2: You know, I'm just trying to open doors for other people and just kind of get people who don't listen to country music to make them give it a chance. Uh, I'm trying to get to a bigger platform where I can help other people. I I just donated $100,000 to the Boys and Girls Club, which is a huge foundation that I've been working with for the last couple years. So it's just for me, I'm just trying to get, you know, further and further up just so I can keep helping as many people as possible and helping my my friends and my family. If they ever need help, is such a huge blessing to this as well.
0: So I know you just announced your Blessed and Free Tour. Tell us about this next tour where you're visiting all the NBA arenas.
2: Uh, I get to tour all the NBA arenas, and I'm trying to do a challenge, Jimmy, so I need you to help me out, especially, I think we're doing Miami. Whatever you need. I don't care if it's the best or the worst player on the NBA team. But for each city I go to, I just want to play like three. I don't care. Three, the first point, whatever. I just want to see how hard it is to go up against the best of the best in NBA. I I never got out of high school, so I just want to see the different levels.
1: Okay. So look, let's set the rules because in the league, we don't play the way that like individuals think one-on-one is played. Like I'm not going to play one-on-one and give you 50 dribbles for you to just run around in a circle until <laughs> I get tired, and then you shoot a shot because I'm going to guard you no more. We do two dribbles, three dribbles, four dribbles. The less amount of dribbles that you choose, the more difficult it's going to be for you to even get the ball to the basket. So I just want you to think wisely. You
2: give me seven?
1: Oh, that's fine. You can do seven. Okay, okay. You can do seven. But yeah, we, we can make that happen. We can definitely make that happen. I get one?
2: Yeah, you get one. Dribble. I don't
1: need any, to tell you the truth.
2: <laughs> I don't need any. I'll just shoot over you. Hey, if it was anybody else, I might... You know, talk back, but I ain't going to. I'm just gonna shut up. Nah,
1: but I, I'm telling you, I think you can you can score. It's just gonna be how many times you can yeah, score. Yeah, anybody Who starts can get lucky on one. one. I
2: wanna get two.
1: That's it. Yeah. Like you can get lucky and get one off and, you know, throw it up backwards once in every city and yeah. it'll end up going in one time. So yeah. No, I like that. We'll we'll make that happen. You'll get your you'll get your one on one matchup with somebody from every NBA team. I will do that
2: for you. Appreciate it, bro.
1: And when you're in the uh Miami Heat Arena, I'm the matchup, just so you know.
2: December 2nd, so clear the calendar.
1: Don't worry, I already know.
0: We're gonna just bring a camera crew down there and get a little video of that one. That might be I'm awesome.
1: Trying. Yeah, I like it.
0: Jimmy, so tell me about this coffee venture and how it started.
1: Look, first off, uh, it's big face, big face coffee. It all started because I was trying to hustle everybody out the bubble. When we got our her damn envelopes, it was like, in those envelopes. So I'm thinking as soon as I charge 20 bucks for a cup, they're going to see how great my coffee is. After four cups, all y'all got is hundreds left. So y'all got to start paying with hundreds. And then I'm going to just be like, oops, don't got no change. You just pay me a hundred dollars for a cup of coffee. Obviously did not work like that. And so it's just been $20 ever since then. But I think that coffee just started with me and my crew because everywhere we went. We tried to find a coffee shop, talk to the locals, and they would tell us, oh, you got to have this coffee, you got to go to this restaurant, you got to go see this museum. And then it was our way to just connect with so many different types of people, learn about the culture, learn about the people. And now it's like, yo, we got to do that here. You know, we got to get people to show more love towards one another instead of all the hate that's going on in the world. And it's like, if you drink coffee, you have something in common with somebody if you drink coffee. Oh, well, I drink coffee. Well, do you put milk in it? Almond milk, oat milk, (laughs) latte, American. Everybody got something in common. And that's just what me and my crew is trying to bring to the light. Where'd you get your beans? Everywhere. Like As soon as everybody uh, heard that I was doing coffee, it's amazing the amount of beans that people would send me crazy. <laughs> and to the point where I had a competitor, Little Face, one of our trainers named Brandon made his own coffee shop. So he was actually sourcing his beans from my room because I had so many. After the bubble, I took some home, gave some away. But like, I'm telling you, beans from absolutely everywhere.
0: It was Big Face versus Little Face.
1: And we crushed him. I might end up buying his company for $2. And
0: then was it like you would have a teammate come down the hall and knock on your door and say, I want a cup of coffee, and then you'd charge them 20 bucks?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm normally up early and then all throughout the day, I'm in the room anyways. So it's kind of like, I got it. I got my recipes down. I had specials, I had everything. I was really doing a lot of research on coffee in the bubble. I will tell you the only teammate that never paid for his coffee was Gorn Dragic. And that's my guy. I love him to death, but he's a hustler. He's a hustler. He comes in there. I love soccer. He starts talking to me about soccer and he's like, Yo, Jimmy, I think you could play. You know, have you watched PSG? Yada, yada, yada. Let me get a latte. Let me tell you about this. So I'm making a latte, give it to him. We're talking soccer and he just leaves. I'm like, Damn, I got hustled out of 20 bucks again. And he did it every <laughs> single time. And I fell for it every single time. Incredible. Yeah, he owes me some money, a lot of it too.
0: All right, guys, we're going to do X's and O's. These are rapid fire for both of you. Toughest coach mentor you've ever had?
2: Uh, I'm going to say my security guard, Mark, because this last year I've been working out every day. And when I get to a point where I couldn't reach anymore, he'll be like, yes, you got, you got it. You know, and he'll like, if we're doing chest, he'll make sure that he's pulling it up, but he wants me doing the motion. So I'll be at a point where I don't even feel my arms going anymore, but he still got me doing it. And then when I'm done, my chest is burning. So he'd be my hardest mentor.
1: When I was at Marquette, you know, Buzz Williams was the head coach, but it was a guy that was a G at the time named Jamie McNeely, who I did like every single workout with. He would run me to death and then be like, "Okay, well, you got 10 more sprints to do. We'd be on the court all day and then he'd be like, all right, well, you only got 45 more minutes. I'm like, damn, but I wouldn't be the player I am today. I wouldn't think the way that I think today if it wasn't for Mr. McNeely. So, Jamie, appreciate you, my brother.
0: Favorite moment in your career so far? Jimmy, you go first.
1: Legitimately, it it would be having the opportunity to play in the finals. Like, I think it was a a dream come true. Being there, obviously you want to win, but all eyes on you. And to have an opportunity to do it and then come up short, it fuels you to want to get back and get the job done. So playing in the finals is special.
0: How long does it take that sting to wear off?
1: I don't think it ever does. I think you always think about it. And then you have to say, oh, well, I let it go, but you never really do. So when people ask me, do you think about the finals? Nah, I let it go, bullshit. I think about that every single day because I don't like to lose and you're that close. I'd rather just not make it to the playoffs, honestly. Like, don't let me get that close and lose. Like, I'm still going on vacation. You might as well get an extra six weeks in if you're gonna make it that far and win it. Yeah.
2: I would say mine is almost in the same spot as his. But uh, my my favorite would be uh, selling out Staples Center. Mm. Oh, wow. Just getting to play there. It was awesome. Got to go to the Lakers game, the game before, and sit courtside. I remember Dwight Howard, bro. I'm sitting there right behind <laughs> him. And this man's – I forgot who throwing the ball. I think it was Kuzma. And they were warming up and Kuzma throwing the ball. And Dwight Howard did this and then just – let it go under his legs and like looked at it between his legs and it just knocked my drink. <laughs> it knocked my drink straight out of my hand. <laughs> and, went on me. and I looked at it and I was like, really dude? Yeah, yeah. That was probably my favorite moment so far.
0: When you played Staples, did that represent or mean something special to you? Is that why it was also such a cool moment?
2: Well I'd played in LA a couple of times on like smaller clubs. So that was to me, that was like the the big moment. It's just a legendary place. So It was just awesome. I was the 11th country artist to sell it out ever. Mm. So it was like big names like Shania Twain and Garth Brooks. I think Carrie Underwood did. So it was just cool to have my name under that list now.
0: Awesome. Biggest surprise about becoming a father, Kane? Go.
2: I think the biggest surprise would be like, you don't realize how much that you can truly love something. You know, like I love my wife unconditionally, but there's something about my baby girl. And it's the same way with her. It's like... I don't know. It's like, you know, she's partying. So it's, I don't know. It's just amazing.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. I get surprised at some of the stuff she does sometimes because it's stuff that I would do or it's the way that I would react. Like when you tell her she can't have a snack and then she just goes on a rampage and just starts slapping stuff off the table. I'm <laughs> like, man, look, I'm not even mad. Like all I ask for is a snack. It's not like I asked to drive the car. Like I can't get a, a graham cracker. I don't even get mad because I do the same thing when she wakes up in the morning. She don't want to talk to nobody like, yo, leave me alone. Leave me in my bed. I'm cool. Don't touch me. Don't change my diaper. Relax. That's me. In the morning, don't talk to me. I'll eat when I want to eat. So like, it really like surprised the hell out of me of how much she's like me in so many ways.
0: That's a good thing, right?
1: Can be. You know, but too much of any good <laughs> things considered a bad thing.
0: Hey, if you were a musician, Jimmy, what would your encore be?
1: That's a good one. That's tough, man. Like, he got a thousand songs, so that's that's easy for him to pick from. Like, oh, yeah, I'd sing this. For me, just because of the story and my voice doesn't sound like his, so I can't do Thunder and Rain. I can't do that. I would choose Don't Take the Girl. That's the way that my whole love for country started, and it's only right that that's how it would end. So
2: Don't Take the Girl, Drop the Mic. It's a big song, though. So,
0: Kane, if there were one NBA player that you had a chance to go up against, who would it be? That's so hard.
2: You know, I I, I probably had to pick Steph Curry just because I feel like we're the same height. I know I'm not near as good as him, but when I, I'm at my little local gym, we have the same play style. You know what I mean? So I feel like I would have to pick him for that one.
0: Kane, is there something that you'd love to know from Jimmy?
2: Okay, I got one for you. Was Was it harder in college or the NBA?
1: College. It's harder in college, man because it's so hard to come into your own because i feel like in in college if you're a five star recruit when you get into that school like everything's given to you i was just lucky to go to marquette when we didn't have you know we had juco guys and all of this and all of that in the league no matter who you are or what you come in as if you work hard enough and when you get your opportunity like i did and capitalize on it no matter if you're five stars or not, like you've made a name for yourself, you're a really good player. It's hard to do that in college. It's it's hard to overcome that nonsense and the politicalness in college, it's it's tough.
0: Wow, did you have a moment, Jimmy, where it was like your, I feel like I've made it now moment?
1: Man, look, the first time that I was like, I've made it, made it, was the first time that Mark Wahlberg came to play basketball in Chicago with his entourage and I don't know for what reason why to this day, I asked him, I was like, you could have been playing basketball with Derrick Rose. I don't know what the hell you chose my sorry ass for, but he chose to play basketball with me. And now our brotherhood friendship has blossomed. I don't even know how to put a number on that. That's when I was like, okay, then you know, we're drinking wine together the very next day on my birthday. And I'm like, wow, like maybe this NBA player stuff is real. And that's when I was like, okay, maybe I've, I've made it. A little bit. That's cool.
0: That's really cool. Jimmy Butler, Kane Brown, you guys, thank you so much. It's been awesome to talk to both of you. And both of you, I mean good luck. You have really exciting endeavors coming up.
1: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm going into my music career, so. I appreciate both of y'all.
0: Thank nice you guys. I loved hearing these two guys together and seeing the mutual fandom between both of them. The fact that Jimmy Butler loves country music just makes me smile and Kane Brown's passion for sports, specifically basketball, I think that's really cool too. First of all, family. That was a theme I took out of this talk. I loved the explanation Kane Brown gave about his hat. He was wearing a hat that read family in big white letters across it. I'm genuinely intrigued by how athletes and artists adapt when fame strikes. And so I really admired Kane's explanation of having the support system around you. And Jimmy, too, when he added on about family, you know, and it made me think about it doesn't matter who you are, it's about you know, having those people that you can go to. They're people who are your blood, but they're also friends, maybe they're mentors, but they're people that are going to support you, but they're also gonna be your mirror and they're going to tell you when you're wrong. I think that's so important. I'm also really interested in the stories like the one Kane told about just wanting to go back home and sit in his car with his friends, like he did. When fame struck, you know, he talked openly about the struggles that he's had with fame and dealing with what comes along with that and what you want to do to get away, but also what you have to part ways with. I think that's really open and honest and revealing. Also, I've been in enough locker rooms to know that Don't Take the Girl is not going to go over well, especially in a locker room where up-tempo, high-energy songs are what guys and girls use to get them ready and amped before a game. But I was interested in hearing Jimmy Butler's explanation about how he came to love country music, how he got hooked, because honestly that was pretty similar to mine. I started loving country music when I was in high school and it was the exact same reason. It was the storytelling that just struck me in a way like no other. Kane Brown though hooked me when he was talking about his daughter liking her mom more than him because I thought, well now isn't this a really interesting open honest, you know, admission? The fact that that's something that kind of hits us sometimes. And I know we've been on both sides of that. Like, yeah, the mom gets a lot of love a lot of times, but my husband and I all talk, there are times my kids, they're talking to him about sports and I'm like, Hey, hey that's my thing. But of course it can be both of your things. I just thought that that was relatable on many levels. If you enjoy this podcast, you can get more of the artist and the athlete, wherever you get your podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and review and let us know what you think. Hit me up on Instagram. You can find me at LindsayCZ and also follow along at Sony Podcast. Thanks again. See you next time.